Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My name is Sophie Collins, and I am a mother and entrepreneur, and I am obsessed with feeling my best. This show is going to cover everything from work to wellness to motherhood and what it looks like to encompass all of those things into your life. I hope you enjoy. Today's episode with Sasha Exeter is just such an amazing, vulnerable conversation. Sasha is an incredible content creator, brand builder, beautiful woman, mother, friend. She has her own podcast, My Friends Do Dope Shit, which you should definitely listen to. She's amazing. The conversations are super raw. Today, we went into how Sasha and I met, one of the things that I noticed about her right away, a little bit about her backstory, how she manages work and wellness and motherhood as a single parent, co-parenting advice, how to take care of yourself, and there are just so many beautiful moments in this podcast, and I'm so, so grateful for Sasha for showing up today in the incredibly authentic and vulnerable way that she did. I hope you like it. Today, we are talking to one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram and the internet, the amazing Sasha Exeter. With a thriving career as a sought-after brand collaborator, product developer, designer, and podcast host, Sasha uses her platform and voice to inspire and motivate people to create positive change both for themselves and the circle that surrounds them. She is a retired elite athlete who left a high-level corporate job to create her own brand. Through her unique approach to fitness and wellness, Sasha has the ability to encourage just about anyone to not only move their body, but to take care of it from the inside out. It is that expert knowledge, deep experience, and sheer perseverance combined with her honest approach to sharing her journey that resonates with so many people as well as the brands she partners with. This Toronto native is a true pioneer in the digital space and has created award-winning campaigns with like-minded brands that share her commitment to supporting people's lives and lifting them up. During her career, she has co-designed products and collections for Joe Fresh Active, Ella Handbags, Indigo, Telly Tea, and Bloom, to name a few. (laughs) Collaborative long-term partners include Caudalie, BMW, Pandora, Michael Kors, JVN Hair, Indigo, to name a few, and wow, and she is very proud to be the national face of Joe Fresh Active. She's a true pioneer in the digital space and lives every precious moment of every day by her credo. You don't have to have it all to be good enough. Well, Sasha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. I just recorded your little, little, I should say huge bio, and there's so much that I didn't even know about you that I'm so excited to dig into today, and I just want to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I was thrilled when you asked me to come on here as a guest. I have a lot of time and respect for you and admire you so much. And I love the approach that you take with your podcast. So I'm really looking forward to just like sitting down and having like a little girls chat with you. Thank you. I'm so, so grateful. I want to start with 
how we met and where we met. And I remember when Sarah Bressler was putting together our guest list for our One Wednesday H Project launch. And she said, I'm going to reach out to this incredible woman, Sasha Exeter. You've probably heard of her. And I don't know if she'll be able to come because she's really busy. She's starting her podcast. She runs all of these incredible campaigns, but we'll see if she can make it. And when you showed up, and something that I've learned from you is when you show up, you give it your all. You sat there for an hour and a half dove so deeply into all the topics that, as you know, I'm obsessed with work, wellness, motherhood. And to be honest, I was a little bit surprised because sometimes I think you meet these people who people put on a pedestal and have these big personalities and big communities. And you don't always get that same person when you meet them in person. And I feel like when I met you, I was so blown away by your commitment to supporting other women and showing up as your best self. So I just loved you immediately and was so grateful to have that hour and a half with you to to have lunch. So that was that was my first impression of you. And it's only grown immensely since we met. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm emotional. That's very sweet of you to say. Yeah, Sarah's not wrong. I am busy, but I make an effort to carve out time for people and things that are important or brands that I seem to have an alignment with. And we had never met. I had known about One Wednesday because you were just launching in Holtz and I'd seen your stuff online. I just thought it was incredible. I love supporting women. I love supporting local businesses. I love when a woman has founded a company or when women have founded a company and they're also moms because I know how difficult it is to be an entrepreneur and a mom and a wife and do all of the things. And you are doing that. And your online persona, I just feel like when I looked at some of your content, I'm like, I never met this woman, but I feel like I know her. It's like just following a girlfriend. So I'm like, I actually was recording a podcast that day and I feel like I was interviewing Hannah Bronfman. Yes. And I was like, fangirl moment. I mean, the two of you. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm coming to this lunch. And I told Sarah, I'm like, I got to dip out early. And I sat at the table and I hadn't met anyone at the table, which is also not a normal thing for me. But I was so interested in everyone's story and what they were working on and who they were and the brands that they had. So it was like the most amazing hour and 15 minute power lunch. And I'd already loved what I saw from the brand, but then getting the chance to chat with you just made me fall in love with the brand even more. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. It was It was an amazing group of people. I really wanted it to be more than like a media or press event. I really wanted it to feel like a lunch about women supporting women. And I think that theme really resonated throughout the whole lunch from Alex introducing our brand to the people that were sitting at our table. There are so many people that I admire, you know, Mackenzie Yeats from Cotton, who, you know, I would only be, she's amazing. (laughs) So yeah. And then when seeing you and you're like, I'm going off to interview Hannah Bronfman. And I was just like, this woman does it all. And I don't know how she does it. But I think one of the first things that I wanted to just dive into with you is with all that you have going on and with the constant public sharing and that being a huge part of your brand, how do you take care of yourself? 
That is an excellent question. And I'm going to be the most honest and authentic in my response. I am able to do everything I do because I don't do all of it well all of the time. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) How do I do that? (laughs) No, I just think, you know, like we're in a stage where people like talk a lot about balance. And I used to talk about balance all the time, but I'm not really sure I actually believe in it anymore. Like we can have it all, but we just, I don't think that we can have it all at once. So, you know, if I'm giving 110% as a mom on some days and momming hard, I might be dropping a couple balls at work, not big balls, but I mean, there might be like two or three emails at the end of the day that I really wanted to get to, but I couldn't, but I needed to really shut down at 630 and really designate the rest of the evening to Maxwell, also designating the rest of the evening to myself, like with rest, which is really important. I have found it increasingly difficult, even though I've been doing this for a really long time, carving out moments for myself, family time, but mostly for myself to recharge isn't the easiest. And oftentimes I feel a little anxious because, you know, we follow a lot of people online and a lot of these are like my colleagues or people I know in the landscape. And some of them are 24 seven, literally seven days a week, posting once or twice a day in feed and on multiple platforms and a hundred story frames a day. And I look at that and I'm like, Sometimes I'm like, oh, am I supposed to be doing this? And I'm like, but this is just, it's not healthy. And it also interrupts my productivity. So the time that it takes for me to post five story frames, I could have done X amount of other things during that time, which then allows me to have time to myself and to Maxwell at the end of the day. I don't work on weekends. I just don't do it. And I think that's like, very odd for people in our space because it's not a typical nine to five and you just have to get shit done when you can. But will you post on weekends, like just stories as on the go, just not like brand partnerships and, I and mean, work? Sometimes I would post a brand partnership. I don't want to be in a studio. I don't want to be doing laborious work. Yeah. So if all the hard stuff is done, I don't mind posting online and engaging with people. But yeah, it's just, it is so difficult to not be influenced by kind of what you see online. Literally influenced by other influencers as an influencer. (laughs) And I also, I think what's worked well for me is like making sure certain things are booked into my calendar, like they be for work. So my gym sessions are like calendar holds and like my self-care are calendar holds, my daily walks, same thing, because I feel if I treat it like work, I'm not going to cancel them. I'm I giving totally it the same level of respect as I would for anything else. I totally agree. And I think one of the things that has drawn me into your content is your commitment to showing up for your body. I love your workout videos and content, you know, that every time you're doing a workout, I'm responding, where is this Pilates instructor? How do I get in? So tell me a little bit more about your weightlifting journey. I know that you were an elite athlete. So tell me a little bit more about that little backstory or big backstory and how you weave that into your day to day and make time for it. 
Yeah. So I grew up playing tennis and went to school in the US on an athletic scholarship. So I've been an athlete my entire life. What a lot of people don't know is that I have two chronic illnesses. So that ultimately ended my tennis career and put a huge stint in my corporate career. The life that I had before doing what I'm doing today, I was on bed rest for the better part of over a year. And it took me a really long time to rehabilitate myself to not only where I was before I got ill, but to where I am today. And a lot of that I owe to wellness. And when this was going on, you know, this was a long time ago. This was 2009. I was 29 years old. So some of the resources that we have at our fingertips and via apps and such just didn't exist then. So I had to, on my own, find the best Reiki specialists and the best nutritionists and chiropractor and acupuncturist and osteopath and all those things and really put together a community of alternative wellness practitioners to help me along my journey. But, you know, getting rid of pharmaceutical drugs, moving my body in a way that felt right during each stage of my journey really helped get me where I am today. And because one of my illnesses is fibromyalgia, it's like a chronic pain disorder. um, What I discovered was, you know, when you're in pain, your first reaction is to be still, lay down, not move, not really understanding that that actually creates more pain. You know, you need, your body needs to move. And every time I moved, I felt a little bit of that pain alleviating. So fitness is a big part of my life. It always was, but it's even more important today because that's how I manage pain. That's incredible. And it's so crazy that you're talking about this right now, because as I texted you about my husband had surgery last week and his recovery, it's going to be, it's going to be a long one. He was diagnosed with Crohn's last month and we are kind of going through that same experience right now with seeing how he manages his pain. And the more he sits and lies down, the harder it is. And even just getting a walk around the block right now, which I'm sure was a big milestone for you at some point, clears it up and almost alleviates this energy out of your body that's stuck and stagnant and trapped. And that's just so inspiring that you were able to go off the drugs. And it's really, really hard because as a person being newly diagnosed with something, you want to listen to your doctors and you want to try the things that they're telling you to do. But I think people really need to push themselves to be their own advocate and do research outside of what mainstream medical services and systems are telling you to do, because there is so much out there now and so much available and accessible at our fingertips. Like it was not when in 2009. (laughs) Not. It was quite a journey to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. That's so, so inspiring. And when it comes to weightlifting, I know that that's a huge part of your routine. And it's something that I feel like is kind of elusive to women still, even though more and more women are doing it. So tell us a little bit about how you got into weightlifting. I'm sure it was always a part of your routine as as a tennis player, but how you bring it into your day-to-day now? Do you work with a trainer? If someone's just getting started with weightlifting, like where do you begin asking for a friend? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what I need to do. 
it's crazy because, you know, even with all the information out there, there are a lot of women that still don't really understand the benefits of weight training and how important it is, especially for women like my age, like in their 40s and going into their 50s. And even later than that, I think weight training has a bad rap because women think that you're actually going to get big or bulky and immediately think of a bodybuilder when they think about lifting weights, especially heavy weights. But Well, they um, could just go to your Instagram and they will know immediately that <laughs> it makes you look like a model. So we're all going to try it. I love you. Because it's just not true. In order to bulk up that much, first of all, 98% of people just would not be that disciplined. And it's more than the weight that you lift. It's how you fuel your body and supplements and all of that. And most people just aren't don't have that sort of dedication. In fact, I feel that my body has transformed and looks more leaner the heavier that I do lift. So being a little bit more toned actually gives the illusion of being smaller. But you know, I do it also because I just love feeling strong. I feel like I'm best when I feel strong. And I really struggled during the pandemic not being able to be in the gym. Somebody asked me the other day, just funny in DM watching one of my workouts and was like, why do you spend money to have someone train you on machines that you know how to use yourself? And I'm like, did you not just see me dying in this video? Like I would never have been able to push myself to the max in this way. If I didn't have Valerie who trains me from uh, pure muscle fitness working with me every week. Yeah. It takes like a really special person that is able to push themselves to that limit without any sort of external motivating force. Well, and it is a little bit more technical too. I mean, it's that's what I was just about right? to say. Like lifting weights and it doesn't need to be super heavy weights. Like we, you know, sometimes use lighter weights with more reps. But I think one of the most important things is form. Yes. So that you can also improve with your lifts and also to avoid injury. I, I totally agree. I think that's why I've been a little more hesitant, especially with the heavier weights. Like I'll do Adrian Williams on Peloton, which whew, I love him. Love him. <laughs> oh man. My husband knows I love him. It's like Adrian time. I do like heavier weights with him, but obviously dumbbells, but we have this machine. I'm like, I need to just hire someone to come in even a few times to just give me kind of the structure and the back, you know, the backstory of how to stand and, you know, how to increase your reps. I think that's super, super important. It also gives you the confidence. Like you need the confidence to know that you're doing it properly. Yeah, absolutely. So what will, what will your weekly workout routine look like right now? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I weight train. Tuesdays are one of my favorite days because I'm in the Pilates studio. So I do one-on-one Pilates with Anita at Imprint Pilates and we use the reformer and we also use the Cadillac machine. And I really, really enjoy it so much. I started going a few months ago, January, as an effort to help rebuild my core after massive abdominal surgery to remove some very large fibroids last July. And I really underestimated how much my body was going to respond to it. And I've gotten so strong in the smaller muscles that we don't normally activate and use. And I've gotten a lot more flexible and 
my body's just moving differently in my day-to-day life. And I see, I notice it also in my runs and I notice it also now when I'm lifting, I have a day or two a week of runs and then usually on my Peloton about once a week as well. I love that. So you're very routine as I think that's one of the things that ultimately connected us in terms of seeing each other on Instagram and what each of us was doing. So what is your morning routine? And I know it's going to shift when you're with your daughter and when you, you know, you're not with your daughter. So tell us a little about your morning routine. It's a little chaotic being a single mom and not having a nanny right now. It's been trying times. I try to get up about 45 minutes before Maxwell does. I just, you know, you know, you get it. I need a moment. I need a moment. I need two hours. (laughs) <laughs> I need that time to have a hot beverage that yeah. remains hot. And, you know, and everyone's like, oh, I'm like, re- like journaling. I'm not always dur- like I, people say that and they're not doing that. I do have a book bedside and what I religiously put in there is lists. I'm a list person. There's a to-do list for a to-do list. I'll, I'll write down lists that I need of things I need to execute and maybe some thoughts or brainstorming things. And then a short meditation. And then by that time, my crazy child is awake. And then it's a shitstorm for an hour, getting her ready to get out of the door. I schedule my workouts right after school drop off. So if I don't get that done in the morning, but later I leave it into the day, the harder it is for me to get it done. So I just liked it. You know, I got to be in the gym or in the Pilates studio by nine, nine thirty in the morning. And are you answering emails by this point? Are you on your phone? Like tell me a little bit about that. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm stressed because it's 10 AM and you haven't answered an email. Like is this stressful to you? (laughs) Okay. So I was gonna get to that. So I'm teetering back and forth. So sometimes what I do, if there's things that I know that need to be addressed first thing in the morning, I'll actually write the emails at night and do scheduled sends. Oh. So yeah, she's like, oh, I, yeah. Okay. Boundaries is a big thing. And I know how I feel sometimes when I'm seeing people email me at like 11 PM or some crazy hour. And I'm just like, Ugh. then I feel forced to look at it. I'm like, mm-hmm. why is anyone using scheduled sends? Like this is not a now thing. So scheduled sends. And I try to fire those off in a batch. So people get it by 8 AM. Got it. In their inbox, knowing that they won't probably see it till nine or nine thirty. So when I loop back after my workout, I'm not seemingly delayed. This is so smart because I always respond to emails right away too. I'm like an inbox zero person. If there's any emails in my inbox, oh, you're better than no. I can't do that. I'm. You would have an anxiety attack if you looked at my iMessages, my email inbox. Like it's scary, but I, I. try my best. Well, you have to try your best. And honestly, I think it's something I've I've tried to really work on because I, I I look at the most creative people and the most successful people and they're not necessarily inbox zero people. They are actually people no. who ruminate on things and take their time. But I really like the idea of scheduling the send to give yourself that buffer so that you know you're probably not going to get a response until you're ready to email back again. That's very, very smart. Yeah, because you're right. It does create a lot of anxiety if you're you know, and I have to drive quite a distance to get to the gym that I train at. 
But like, yeah, coming back to my home office, not until 1030, sometimes 11, 11, 15, that's a big chunk of the morning gone. And then like that whole just circling back, like, oh, circling I, back. We need to delete that. And bring this to the top of your inbox. Like when I see that, I just like, oh my God, I want to cry. So yeah, please never. Okay. Noted. I won't say that to you. <laughs> No, but it's actually funny because when I'm on the East Coast for work or to visit my family, it is different. If you wait till 11 a.m. in Pacific time to respond to things, you've almost lost the day because if you're working with people on the East Coast, we work with our team in Turkey, like we've lost the day. So our like 6 to 12, 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. is probably the most crucial time for us to be communicating here on the West Coast. At least I've found that with teams in different time zones. But it's such a nice luxury when I go to Toronto. And the first day I usually try and sleep in because I'm trying to adjust to the time zone. For me, that's like 7 a.m., which is 4 a.m. Pacific. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like no one's talking to me until noon. And this is amazing. So there's something to be said for like an East Coast morning to yourself. No, yeah, totally hits different for sure. So you mentioned a little bit about being a single mom, and I know that's something you do share on Instagram. So feel free to, you know, we can revert the conversation, but we did have a lot of people write in about advice on co-parenting and how you manage. Yeah, that was the number one thing people asked about. And I think it's because people don't really talk about it on social media. So I think that's something that's really refreshing about your platform. And yeah, I think advice on co-parenting, how do you manage being a single mom? I can't even imagine what that must be like. And if you can just maybe touch on a few of your experiences and some tips for single moms out there, single parents. Because I share little pieces of my own journey, I do have people in my online community reach out and ask me similar questions and I think I've gone through so many stages of this co-parenting journey in such a short period of time. I really had to really be my most enlightened self, most enlightened I think that I've ever been and really check my ego at the door and my anger and my hurt. It is not easy when you're the person that was left in the relationship. It's always easier when you're the person that's broken up with the partner. So I really had to grow up in a sense and put my emotions to the side for my daughter. And I made, you know, after I dug myself out of a hole, (laughs) after, you know, the first 60 days of a pretty intense separation and being left and feeling alone and isolated, I thought to myself, well, this should not impact Maxwell. Yeah. So you got to figure out your shit and find a way to create the most healthy, harmonious, loving, honest situation and environment for her to grow up in. So I would say very early on, like three months after the breakup, I reached out and I was like, you know, I think it's important that we communicate and you be, I want to involve you in a lot of things for Maxwell. And I never, I think my goal was I never wanted Maxwell to feel awkward or feel uncomfortable around any moments, big or small in her life, dance recitals, school plays, graduation. I have so many friends that come from broken households and they're always like, 
Oh, I hated when birthdays came up because like, I always wish I could have had both parents there or graduation feeling anxious because are my parents going to get in a fight? Like, are they going to get along? Like, I just didn't want that for my child. So I had to work really, really, really hard to make that happen. And, you know, her dad, even I invited him on family vacations and he came to the cottage and I made sure you know, to have monthly family dinner meals and our holidays were spent together. And I think what was made it a little bit easier at the time was that we both weren't dating anyone right? else that I was aware of. Right. (laughs) And I truly believe in the beginning, he wasn't like there was no one serious. And I did a podcast interview on my pod with Amanda Bruegel. Yes, I love that. I listened to it on the plane ride to New York, actually, when we were both in New York. And I was talking about this and I was like, you know what? Things are actually like pretty great right now. But I think it's because we're not dating other people. But unbeknownst to me, he had started dating someone seriously and was not being truthful about it. But we had, you know, because I forced this thing, we had eventually found our way back to what I thought was friends and had this really great co-parenting relationship. And then it all kind of fell apart last fall or last August when he said that, you know, this woman, he wanted to introduce her to Maxwell. And I think the breakdown of honesty. Like, I don't, we don't really have that much time. This is the, this topic is a whole podcast episode in itself. Absolutely. But I think the most important thing when you're co-parenting is honesty and transparency and respect. And all of those things started to break down when I asked him to meet me halfway in terms of waiting to introduce this woman to Maxwell, waiting to move this woman into his home, waiting to play house, you know, with her and our child. And I was not respected and all of those things were done behind my back. That's so hard. So, and then as of this year, the wheels just completely fell off and it did a complete 180 and it's the complete opposite of how I ever envisioned our co-parenting journey to be. And I was very frustrated for many months because I was like, why are you not meeting me halfway? But there's a saying from Oprah that I actually just mentioned on my stories yesterday is that you can't expect people to meet you halfway. Like they can only meet you where they are. And we're in very different places in our life. And whatever is going on with his life is not allowing him to approach the situation the same way that I'm approaching it. And he's dealing with his shit the way he can, not in a great way, but he just can't meet me at the middle ground. And he actually no longer lives in Ontario and he's moved away. So that also has been very difficult and challenging for both Maxwell and I having mm-hmm. navigate this new norm and how it's impacted my personal life, how it's impacted my career. Cause now I've, you know, there's lots of changes and decisions that I might've said yes to that. I can no longer do that. I don't know. It's a lot. So I say, you know, that was a long winded answer, but I think my advice would to really check the ego and the hurt at the door and remember who's most important in this scenario. It's not an easy thing to do, but that's the only way to make that work. And respect, honesty, 
And even if you're having to share something with your ex-partner that's difficult, it's better to be open and honest about it and it be out in the open than to be doing the opposite. Like nothing is going to come. Nothing good is going to come of that. Yeah, I think it's living honestly and living in your truth and being honest about who that person is and authentic with yourself. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think that people should listen to your episode with Amanda and also follow you because you do share so vulnerably and authentically. And I know we only have a minute left. So I can't believe this. I know it went by too fast. And we still need that two hour lunch when we're in the same city. So that's that's going to happen. But Because this podcast is called Obsessed with Feeling My Best, I want to know, rapid fire, what makes you feel your best and what are you obsessed with right now? Moving my body and being active 100% makes me feel my best. This is going to sound very corny, but quality time with my daughter is what I'm like so obsessed with right now. Like we are vibrating on a whole, I'm going to cry. We are vibrating on a whole different level right now. And our relationship has changed so much just in the last three months. And I don't take any of our time for granted. And she's like truly like my best friend, the best travel partner. And, you know, even when we're not traveling and we're at home, I'm so obsessed with that. 6 30 to 9 p.m. time, or it's just her and I doing silly shit, trying to learn Beyonce choreography to prepare for the Beyonce concert in July. Oh, I can't. The Beyonce concert. I cannot <laughs> wait to watch you guys go to the I don't even need to go to Beyonce. I just need to watch you guys go to Beyonce. <laughs> or our car chats in the morning oh. on school drop off talking about her crush and listening to music. And I just, I live for every, you know, being a mom is hard and challenging, but I live for every single moment of it. It really just expands you as a person to every nook and cranny that you want to see or even don't want to see. Well, we're going to leave it at that. Can you just, we'll leave it at that. Just on a light note. <laughs> we'll leave it at me sobbing and my eyes burning because like mascara is running into my eyes. Oh my God. Well, you still look so fabulous with your orangey red nails that I am now going to go get done. Where can people find you? Where do you want people to catch up with you? I keep it very simple. You can find me at Sasha Exter on all my social platforms and my podcast. My friends do dope shit anywhere you find your podcast. Thank you so much, Sasha. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. You can find me on Instagram at Sophie C. Collins or on my website at sophiecollins.com. And you can find my brand One Wednesday at one underscore Wednesday underscore shop on Instagram or onewednesdayshop.com. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you have time, leave a rating and review. I hope you have an amazing day. Thanks to Podfather Creative for editing and production.